Tales of Apple's AirTag at Macintech. This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is sponsored by Upstart, fair and fast personal loans. Go to upstart.com slash macvoices and find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is part two in a three-part conversation presentation to the Mac and Tech Mac user group. I'm joined by Jeff Kamet and Mark Stevenson, and we were asked to talk about some of the new Apple hardware and what configurations we buy, what configurations we would recommend, and how to go about thinking about that. This time around, we touch on the topic of AirTags and share some stories and experiences uh, from various members of the panel and the audience as well. Let's go right back and let them do the talking. Yeah, Jeff, I think that that's a real good point, and especially for this crew. Um, you know, I, I would expect that if you're on this call, that you are some level of geek. Um, and so, yeah, it's always tempting to buy up. And and I do agree with something that uh, that Mark said. I, I tend to like to buy high, too, um, under the theory that either I'm going to keep that device for a long time or I'm going to get more money back when I go to resell it. So, but at the same time, there is a time that there's a time that it just becomes overkill that you really don't need it. You know, in, invest the money in, in your iPhone if you take a lot of pictures, but don't worry too much about it for, for video conferencing. Chuck, the other thing that's new about this iMac is the speaker configuration and the microphone configuration. So I was playing some of Apple's new um, audio tracks that are available through Apple Music that use the spatial audio thing. And I was playing a Beatles tune, Come Together, whatever. And this thing had a big thumping bass, not what you found in previous iMacs. So I can tell the difference in the speakers at this point. The microphones, I'm on headphones right now, so I haven't really noticed that they're that much clearer of and I'm in a situation now that I have no background noise at all. So I can't tell that yet. But those are two some of the features that Apple has pointed out with the new iMac speakers and uh, microphones. Okay, good point. Pro good point. And and now what are you using? Are you using the, the iMac mic now or are you using your headphone mics? In the headphones right now. Okay, okay. Um, I did want to mention, because I too uh, got some AirTags, and um, one of the uses I had, uh, one of the things I wanted to try out, I should say, was I threw one in my luggage and then gave it to the airlines with the idea that if they couldn't find it, maybe I could. Um, happily, they didn't lose it. But it was interesting that there were places and times that I could track the bag and places and times that I couldn't. My guess would be that when it was in the belly of the plane, I, I couldn't track it because um, I obviously didn't know where the bag was at any given moment. And then the when it was coming from the plane back out to a baggage claim, it seemed to be intermittent. Um, that you know, I, I, I knew it was there. I'd see it for a minute, then it'd be be gone. I would think that that has to do with its proximity to a whole bunch of iPhones, but I don't know. But overall. I would have no concerns about if my bag had ended up in, I don't know, Alaska, 
that you know if there had been sufficient number of iPhones uh, that I would have been able to see where it was. So it's it, it has worked for me. Um, happily, I haven't had anything that I really had to say. Oh my God, I have to depend on this AirTag to find this. But for for in my tests, yeah, it's worked out wonderfully, and it's only thirty bucks. So you know, or or a little bit cheaper if you buy four of them. So, so you know, Chuck, you have, did you? Excuse me for interrupting. Yeah. No, did go. you put Did you put the AirTag inside the bag or external connected? Inside the bag. Inside the bag. Inside one of the one of the outside pockets, but inside the bag because I seen. First of all, I don't even like to. Um, I don't even like to have bag tags on the outside of my bag because they just end up getting torn off uh, by the luggage handlers. Um, so, you know, I've, I, I draw geometric designs on my bag with a Sharpie so I can identify it um, and forget the, you know, forget the rest. And then I always make sure I have pictures of my bags and what they look like so that if they do get lost, I can share them, you know, with, with the, uh, the airline say here's what it looks like and by the way since there's this big silver diamond on each face of it you should not have any trouble finding this bag even in a in a crowded room of, of black bags so that begs the question about privacy that i kept seeing all over the place do people know that their iphone has found somebody's air tag do they even know that No. Well, it depends. Okay. So uh, if you go walking past a device that someone has tagged as missing and you just keep going and, uh, and their phone picks up the air tag signal and you, and they just keep walking on, you get the notification about where your air tag is. Now, if they stop, then, uh, and if they find your AirTag, now they can they can find out if this is an AirTag that's been reported as lost. Because uh -huh. you know, because when you hold the the tag close to your phone, it'll bring up some basic information about that AirTag. And uh, and then you, as the AirTag owner, if you put it into lost mode, then you choose what additional information you mm -hmm. want to appear so that. Uh, the the person can contact you, and uh, and so like for me, if I have an AirTag that gets lost, I'm going to put a Google Voice phone number on there. So whoever calls me, they get a phone number that's not my actual iPhone number, and so I can create a a, a level of security or privacy for myself. Because I. I wondered all of the hoo-ha that was out there about privacy, and I just didn't see it, that I didn't think there would be a huge privacy issue because that other person's phone doesn't say, oh, oh, look, look, you just passed an air tag. It just sends right. a notice on. Right, and I think a lot of the, uh, now I'm gonna go, all in on this one. I think all of the hype and uh, and concern about privacy over air tags was uh, uh, generated simply because this is Apple. And to to back up what I'm saying, 
Apple actually went to the trouble to, to think about privacy and security with the AirTag and built features in from the beginning to support that. Now, in comparison, there's a product called Tile that's been around for what, 15 years now? A long time. And yeah, and and it's it's essentially an air tag, if you will. It's it's a tracking tile, uh, you know, little fob device, just like an air tag. The difference is tile has never ever put user privacy into the mix with their with with their product. And even after AirTag came out, they did not change anything. So tile does not offer any level of privacy with their product. And yet this has been around for 15 years and we have never seen a major media blowout because of their tracker device. Yeah, you're right about it's Apple. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it should be said that, you know, Tile, Apple, I mean, there've been plenty of other Bluetooth device tracking devices out there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if if somebody is concerned about that, then you have other things to worry about uh, because Apple is trying to do the right thing. I think Tile would try to do the right thing or will try to do the right thing, you know, if it becomes an issue. Apple seemed to see it coming a little bit more and tried to address some of it. Um, but there's yeah, just that's true. At, at the end of the day, you're tracking somebody and or something. And so that's kind of the reason for it. Yes, and uh, and with Tile, you can take one and slip it into someone's bag, and they'll never know unless they go and find it in the bag. If you take an AirTag and slip it into someone's bag, they're going to find out because because at some point, your iPhone is going to say, hey, there's an AirTag with you that's not yours. What's up with that? Right, right. So, I'd like to bring up uh, something that uh, both... Uh, Mark and Chuck brought up earlier, and I've actually discussed this with uh, Jeff in person, and that was, <clears throat> you both said buy high. And, and the reason to do that is what uh, I call future-proofing. Uh, I bought a high-end iMac. I bought a high-end iPad Pro. I bought an iPad Pro rather than an iPad with a lot of memory. The idea that I was going to hold on to these devices for quite a while. And it's, it's worked out pretty well for me to do that. I don't end up actually spending as much money as if I've gotten a low-end device and then two years later find, well, it's not doing what I need, so I need to go buy another one. Yeah, well, Rob, certainly, you know, Zumi, certainly Apple has made it much more difficult to upgrade these things with memory even. So what you bought is what you get over the life of the machine for the most part. Yeah, the advice that I give people uh, along the the buy high uh, philosophy is you buy as much device as you can afford when you need it, and uh, and so that that can translate to buy high, uh, but yeah, as as much as you can afford, and I also tell people these are not heirlooms. Even though we we tend to keep Apple products for a long time because they hold up, they're not heirlooms. So if you buy, say, uh, a new Mac today, and you spend as much as you can afford on it, so you get you get as much as you possibly can for your money, 
And then three months from now, you realize this actually doesn't meet my needs because this new machine came out that does what I really need instead. Sell the old one, buy the new one, and keep going. And, uh, and, and it's okay. We don't have to have that sentimental attachment, even though they're really cool products and it's easy to have that. Oh, I have the sentimental attachment. <laughs> <laughs> Today's edition of Mac Voices is sponsored by Upstart, fast and fair personal loans. Go to upstart.com slash Mac Voices and find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. The last year or so has been hard on everyone but some more than others. If you are in the latter category, burdened by debt, it is worth a five-minute visit to Upstart to see what your online rate is for loans from $1,000 to $50,000. Upstart is all online and is different from other lenders. They look beyond your credit score to your income and current employment and deliver a smarter rate for your loan. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash macvoices. That's upstart.com slash macvoices. Don't forget to use my URL so they know I sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash macvoices right now and get control of your debt. Thanks to Upstart for their support of Mac Voices. Oh, and you know what, Jeff? That is such wise advice. And I got caught. I made I made the mistake um, back in January when the M1 uh, MacBooks first came out. I, I I was looking at them, and you know, yeah, I want to get my hands on one. I want to play with this. And honestly, I I because it was a MacBook. Um, I thought, well, you know, okay, it's going to be low powered, so I'm going to buy it um, as a potential replacement for my my old MacBook, my very old, very old MacBook Air. And what I found quickly is, yeah, this thing is is so high powered, but I screwed up and I only bought, uh, you know, the eight gig of RAM and the the lowest me- the memory or storage configuration, and so I had to end up selling that one and buying another one that was much more in line with the, the, the real needs that I have. Mm-hmm. So I violated my own rule and got caught. Um, and sort of what Robert was saying too, you know, about the future proofing, what I did with my original iPad pro uh, is a, is a great example because if I had gone with a lower memory configuration back way back when I bought that one, it would never have lasted me this long. So it, it got me a lot more years of useful life out of it. So there is something to be said for spending the money and buying up the chain. Yep. You, you could say that's a hashtag life choices. Don't you don't start that again. Um, so one other thing though, one other product we haven't talked about, and it's, it's new enough, I think, to talk about. And Jeff, I know you have one. I know I have one. I don't know if Mark has one. And that's the HomePod Mini. Uh, I do have uh, a pair. You have a pair? Okay. Okay. Nice. Jeff, you have a pair or just one? I, I have a pair, but I don't have them stereo paired. Uh, I I have uh, an original HomePod. And, uh, and then when the HomePod mini came out, I got one right away. And then uh, a couple months ago, I bought a second one 
And what I did was I, I, I have the, the, the big HomePod in my living room where it's always been. And then I put a HomePod mini in my office. So it's back behind me. And then I put the third one in my bedroom. And so now I have whole home audio, uh, sort of like you get with Sonos, but I did it with, with HomePod minis ultimately. And, uh, and in a sense, I have also future-proofed my smart home setup because going forward, using uh, an original HomePod as a, a HomePod bridge, it's not going to have as many features as the HomePod mini does once, uh, once we get the new operating systems this fall. So if you're using this as part of a home automation system, now the HomePod mini suddenly makes a lot more sense. Hmm. Yeah. Mark, how are you using your, your HomePod minis? I had it connected to a TV in my family room. And I've also experimented a couple ways of putting one in the office and another in the family room and using it that way. Uh, I just recently got a newer TV. And so I'm still trying to figure out what's the best configuration, whether I should split them apart or leave them that way. Unfortunately, you can't really connect them directly to um, an Apple TV because it's a, you know, it's a Wi-Fi Bluetooth connection at this point. So I would like to see that happen at some point in the future. But again, when Andy or Zimmy talked about future-proofing, uh, I bought these and I was very encouraged when uh, Apple said that the product going forward is going to be the Home Mini and they were discontinuing the, the HomePod, even though it's more powerful, but was uh, certainly at a different price point. Uh, I thought the Home Mini price point at 100 bucks, whatever, was going to be a, a good sweet spot and it was worth buying a couple and just to see what would happen in the future. See, there you go. That's part of what makes the HomePod Mini such a smart move for Apple because they dropped it below the $100 psychological barrier by a dollar, but that's all it takes. And they turned it into what is essentially an impulse buy item. So you bought two because you're like, hey, why not? Let's Let's try it out. I bought one for the same reason. And then a couple months ago, I impulse bought a second one just because I thought, oh, this would be cool to have whole home audio and I can do it super easy for, for cheap. The impulse uh, buy is, is an interesting point, Jeff, because I was in, um, I'm, I, I guess you all have, do you have all, all have Lowe's out there? Yes. yes. Okay. So I was in Lowe's and there were HomePod minis at the checkout line. You know, just like a candy bar. So yeah, you know, pick up a HomePod Mini and take it with you. Um, and I was sorely Chuck. tempted. I was sorely tempted to get another one, um, almost almost because I could. You know, I didn't. I, I do. I have a place for it, of course. I will make a place for it. But just the fact that they had them and they're they're so small and so approachable. And yeah, for only ninety nine bucks, I could you know I could walk out of here with one. Uh, I, I thought that that says a lot about Apple's thinking about the marketing part of it. Well, Chuck, it totally makes sense that they would have them now. And uh, and I, I totally have to give credit to Kelly Gumont for this because she she's watching, hey, Kelly, and she shot me a message and said, 
don't forget about thread. And uh, and she told me that as you were talking about uh, about Ain't seeing blue. Uh, <laughs> uh, invisible. So okay, trying to figure out which way to come into the sentence. Okay, I've got it. All right. So you found uh, HomePod Minis at, uh, at what amounts to a uh, uh, you know like a, a home improvement store. They sell lots of smart home devices at the home improvement store. One of the things that a lot of these smart home devices have now is thread support. And for those of you that don't know what that means, thread is a wireless uh, protocol that uh, makes it easier for smart home devices to talk to each other wirelessly and lets them spread out into a wider area and they sort of create their own mesh thing. So uh, they don't all have to be uh, as close to your Wi-Fi router or another bridge. And this is something that you can do with HomePod mini. So totally makes sense. I hadn't thought about it from that, from that angle, Jeff, that's, that's a, a really good one. Just like I don't think of Lowe's as a home improvement store. I think of it as a hardware store, a big box hardware store, but a big box hardware store. So that's, I mean, and, I, and you're right. You know, I've gone down their, their, uh, their smart device aisle and look at it. And some of, the, some of the things you recognize and some of them, it's like, who would ever buy this? Because, you know, there's, there's almost no support for some of these. But so, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I, I've, I've got two of them. I, I was going to pair them and I really didn't see a need. I wanted, so I have one in the bedroom and one in the kitchen and within the home pods that I have in the living room, I in effect have uh, the whole first floor of the house covered and, you know, and, and they sound great. I mean, if I, I don't know, Mark, if you would agree with this, did you say you have a regular home pod? No, I have two home pod minis. Yeah. The minis, Jeff, do you have a regular home pod? I do. do. Yeah. So side by side comparison, yeah, the the, the full size HomePod sounds a little better, but a lot better. Well, okay, but you know the thing is, I don't sit there and do a side by side. I just say, well, I, whoops, I better be careful. I say, hey, S lady, play, and I don't think about could that sound just a little better or not. It's playing what I want to hear. So you know, if if you're not doing like a super critical listen. And that's not to say that they sound bad. Um, and and if I'm not careful, well, I'll, I'll go this. Jeff, stop me if I go too far. But I, I always found it kind of ironic that everybody was griping about the price of the HomePod when if you put it against other speakers in its class, that it was right at the same price point and sounded so much better and had features they did not. But everybody insisted on it's too expensive. It's too expensive. And they continue to um, compare it to the Amazon Echo, which my comparison is a 1969 Volkswagen radio, you know, that, that <laughs> the, the echoes sound like. And so, you know, trying to compare a $30 speaker to a 299 speaker is not fair. Compare two 299 speakers, and now we have a conversation. But the tech press didn't do that. And it it really bugged me when Apple killed the, the full-size HomePod because I feel like they killed it for that reason. And I'm still hopeful that they will bring back a, a HomePod 2 um, with some of the improvements that are in the Mini, but bring back that full-rich sound. I, 
I'm wondering if whatever HomePod comes out next is not HomePod 2, but the HomePod soundbar. True. 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 With the spatial audio, that might be a better a better thought. And to what Mark was saying, you know, it's tough to put HomePod minis in with an Apple TV. So well, I mean it's not tough now like it used to be and uh, and because now the apple tv will remember your home pods so as long as you're okay having the the wireless connection between the apple tv and the home pods then you're fine uh, but there's still something to be said for having that uh, that physical wired connection for for the bandwidth for your audio yeah oh there's no question about it there's no question about it the one thing that we didn't touch on i touched on it very briefly um that probably should be a, a sort of a wrap-up topic though mark you bought the imac um jeff if you were going to buy an m1 mac now would you would you do the mini would you do one of the the macbooks um or would you go with the imac with the products that are available today, without hesitation, Mac Mini. It's, uh, it, I mean, nice little box. It has uh, a crazy horsepower in it. And it lets me take advantage of all the peripherals that I already have. So I don't have to give up the screen that I'm using, the camera that I'm using. I, I could just slot it in right here on my desk and keep rolling. Uh, now, if I did that, then my uh, my expense would jump up quite a bit because then I would really push myself into what what I see as my somewhere down the road dream setup, which is a desktop Mac, Mac Mini here in the office, and then uh, a high-end iPad Pro for when I'm out and away from my desk. So... I, I would actually, at that point, no longer even have a MacBook Pro. Wow. I mean, for you to say that, that, that's really intriguing to me that you would completely abandon a laptop in favor of an iPad Pro. Well, I mean, look at what we can do with, with the M1 iPad Pro today. And imagine where we'll be... Uh, even just a couple of years from now with that technology. I mean, we, we are on what I see as the cusp of not actually needing a, uh, a full-on laptop for the things that I do anymore. Uh, we're not there yet, but wow, we are so close. Hmm. Interesting. That's part two of our conversation with the Macintech Mac user group out of Colorado, Mark Stevenson and Jeff Gamut. In part three, we start talking about when you should buy your next Mac, what you should buy, and how you should go about thinking about that. That's next time on Mac Voices, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices 
or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.